Blog Talk Radio. Fantasy, sports, and politics. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live. You know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We're talking fantasy, sports, and politics. Gentlemen, it's me, it's me, it's Chef SP, doing what I do because I do it for you all every day. And it's Saturday. For me, it's November 13th. For you, it is still November 12th. And there's a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk about today. Um... Now, I'm not sure if my co-host JT ATM Money is going to call in or not. Uh, I hope he does. I'm going to have my opportunity to go off the crazy train, go off the rails a little bit, and discuss. Um, Not only will we talk about uh, the NFL and this week uh, coming up in the NFL, but we're also going to discuss um, the election. We're, 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 a lot of people are very happy. A lot of people are very, very upset and sad. Um, Greg Popovich, actually, the uh, NBA coach of the Mavericks, a guy that everybody respects, really. Uh, it, it's quite honestly a uh, a guy that you shouldn't have to question him uh at all uh it's his coaching prowess as well as uh world views honestly in my opinion have been very straightforward and and forthright and a uh he he's been I guess the benchmark for the NBA as to what the NBA really wants itself to look like as far as business-like. No flash, just results. So uh, he had uh, some comments that we're going to talk about today. And uh, it's interesting, very, very interesting as to the way things are shaking up. Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Fellow veteran, pickle suit himself, uh, and I wonder, you know, did he shrink in, at his old age? Probably did. But my co-host JT ATM Money, welcome in, JT. What's going on? How you doing, man? I don't want to talk politics, but but you can. I, I, I really don't. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. What? I saw I saw what you wanted to say. And I'm not really into it. Uh, it it's uh, uh, I'm too numb. Let me put it that way. Too numb. Really. Well, you can. I, be- I'm, I'm, I'm 
You can be numb. You can be numb and comment on my comments. But the show started out eight years ago Mm -hmm. as fantasy sports and politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, sure enough, eight years later, or almost eight years later, Mm -hmm. um, it's a reason to talk about more politics. And the way of the world. Why? Because the show. Is it going to change anything for the next four years? No. I didn't. I didn't say it would, but uh, there are various things to discuss, and I'm quite sure you probably have seen or heard something from our friend Mac, who's probably on Cloud oh. Nine. Oh, you have no idea. Well, you know, hey, maybe you'll enlighten me. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But let's kick off the show as we talk about the NFL. Uh, I want to get that first and foremost uh, before I get into the political excuse me, political side of things. Um, <laughs> don't sound so down, bro. Don't sound Nothing so down. You, I have you have no you you're living in in where you're living in. Sooner or later, you got to come back. Okay, <laughs> right now, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm I here. Understand what you're saying? I'm here, and what I'm seeing and what uh, people on both sides that I've talked to, it's Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Well, that would be the reason why this discussion needs to be had. Not just because uh, someone thinks or maybe feels feels as though um, talking about it or protesting or whatever can change it. It's the ramifications of said election and uh, things of that nature. You can't change the result. You know, you can't do that. What you can do is ride it out, do your best, and as the person that predicted uh, that Donald Trump would win, also predicted that he would be impeached. So, okay, maybe that'll happen too. But well, you know. You know. Yeah, I understand. That's 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 pie in the sky and hoping and wishing, but uh, the reality is, is is what it is right now. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk NFL. So we're going to open up the show with Kansas City at Carolina, um, mm-hmm. a game that's supposed to feature two very rough and tough defenses, but it has proven that Kansas City has the better defense this year. So what I'm going to do is, since I know you don't want to talk politics or anything like that, I'm going to let you break down this game first, and I'll give you my response, okay? All right. If you want to go that way, we can go that way. All right. Uh, All right. Kansas, right City, uh, Kansas City is uh, one of the better defenses. Uh, their, their offense is pretty much lacking. Um, they're going up against a Carolina team, uh, and they are in Carolina. Carolina, after they came out for the break, has playing a lot better defense. Whatever they had broken, um, they seem to fix even though they are um, the the best that they can do in their defense is uh, eighth in in, in um, 
not eighth, but they're, they're ranked within the top ten in in, in the running uh, running back defense. Uh, what they are weak in is defending against the quarterback, wide receiver, and the tight end. Um, in this respect, uh, Alex Smith, who's coming off in quotation marks a, a a week off, but supposedly didn't have a concussion, but was bent, but was set down for uh, precautionary reasons by the uh, coaching staff, is going up against um, this. Um, I guess I would say new reinvented. I should say reinvented defense in Carolina, uh, which quite naturally has played a little better, but it's still, in my opinion, vulnerable um, in the uh, passing. Unfortunately, Jeremy Macklin is humbled. I mean, humbled is uh, uh, um, hobbled. Hobbled. He's listed as out. Yeah. Okay, he's listed as out. He's out because of um, uh, soft tissue injuries. So. In the uh, uh, wide receiver position, they're, they're depending on Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill, who's emerged himself as a, uh, well, quite naturally, people know he's a speedster, but probably one of the go-to guys in the passing offense, along with Alfred Wilson. On the main target, because he's an all-pro, is Travis Kelsey, uh, which uh, Carolina, like I said, is vulnerable in the, um, basically in the any kind of passing. Quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end. I see this as being a tough game for Carolina. Uh, I know they've won, um, the, I think, the last two games. Um, and yes. uh, Cam, Newton, Cam Newton and company are going up against a very good defense that is not as good as most people think. Um, they're still waiting for their uh, one of their main pass rushes, Justin Houston, who's not going to be active this week, um, uh, more than likely next week, uh, to help them in a pass rush, and that the uh, Carolina Panthers should be able to run the football and throw the football, uh, all except uh, they defend the tight end position well. Uh, I think this is going to be a mid-scoring game, somewhere in the uh, near the 20s, uh, between 14, I want to say 14, between 17 and 24, 24 points, somewhere in there, that and probably a, a difference of three points, three and a half points. Um, but I like uh, Kansas City in here to, believe it or not, to uh, win this game. I agree with you. I actually have Kansas City winning this game as well. Um, now, here, here's my thought process. It, People were saying that Josh Norman is was not going to be missing Carolina, that he's uh, a cover three corner and yeah. things of nature. And and it's true. He is a cover three corner. He can match up one-on-one. He's not going to win a lot of them, but he's definitely a zone coverage corner. Um, and Tampa, not Tampa, uh, Carolina, believe it or not, ran cover three a lot. But it all started with their – defensive line and linebackers getting penetration and forcing bad decisions by the quarterback. They haven't gotten that this year. They're starting mm-hmm. to get it, but they're, they, it's not, you know, something they've had from the beginning. Now with Josh Norman being a cover three corner and an excellent one at that, he's much like Richard Sherman. If you have a corner that 
defenses or offenses are keen to and aware of, nine times out of ten, they're going to try to stay away from that side. Uh, They're going to go there if they have to, but not by choice. So when that happens, that means you cut off half of the field automatically. So not only will the defense have a strong pass rush, linebackers can cover the backs and tight ends, but the other corner will have a little bit of safety help forcing the quarterback to have somewhat of a different reaction when it's time to get rid of the ball. I say all this to say that none of that is happening this year in Carolina. Cam Newton is getting battered and bruised left and right. And, you know, some of it is uh, his fault, but a lot of it is the refs not calling uh, the same type of penalty they would call if it were on Tom Brady. If it were on somebody like uh, a darling of the game, Andrew Luck has had some bad shots as well. I can't say that it's just Cam Newton, but Andrew Luck has taken a beating this year. That That's mainly because his offensive line is terrible, but he's taking some bad shots too. Um, but not to have a roughing the passer call in what almost two years or a season and a half, and some of them have been obviously roughing the passer calls based upon the rules, not based upon the hit, but based upon the rules. You know, that that speaks volumes. Whether, I mean, not whether, but when he's in the pocket, that's the way it's supposed to be. When he's in the pocket, it doesn't happen. So here's what I see. Much like you, Jerry, I see a close game. Um, Alex Smith is not, I repeat, is not a deep ball guy. So that's not going to be a threat in my opinion, um, with Macklin in or out. I think it's more of a mid-range to uh, short passing situation. And the only issue that I see happening is Kansas City is going to have to run the ball. Chadwick uh, West, whatever his – you know I can't – Chadwick – Chikandra. Yeah. Chikandrick West. Yes, Chikandrick West. Spencer Ware is going to be rocking it now. He's back. He's back. Okay, well, he's not going to. The problem with that is he's still a little nicked up. So, West is going to see the the field a little as well. Uh, Not as much as you think. Maybe not as much as I think, but I I know he's going to see the field. Um but uh, you have to take into account the fact that the kid is coming off an uh, injury that held him out last week. Um, and if it held him out last week, it can't be uh, that big or that bad of a deal if you're out for a week. But all it does, you just need to tweak it just a little bit and things go south. But anyway, uh, they're going to have to run the ball. And whether you or I or anybody else wants to believe it, you know, they can still, Kansas City, get down the field and and make plays. It's just a matter of, you know, um, can Carolina get in position to stop 
those run plays. Um, no, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I know it's a home game for Carolina. I really do. But at the same time, it, it's going to be a rough home game for Carolina. So with that being said, I'm most assuredly picking Kansas City in this game. Um, and like Jerry said, it, it's going to be a mid-range game, maybe 17, you know, uh, 17, 14, something like that, a field goal difference, um, nothing too major. Now, for a game, nobody really would watch, but seemingly has some importance to it. Houston and Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville has not been the the world beater that uh, I thought they would be this year. Um, But Houston definitely is not the world beater that Jerry uh, thought they would be. I have said on several occasions that I I believe that um, Tennessee would be challenging for the AFC South title. And they are. Um, They're going to, in my opinion, they're going to win that division. But Houston has an opportunity to go up another game uh, in a lead in that division. Now, what does that translate to in the NFL or uh, to Jerry? Well, it gets Jerry closer to uh, saying, see, I told you, I told you, where he can lay on the couch or stand on the couch, whichever one, and wear his uh, Texans blanket, which is fine because that's what he wants. He wants to wear his Texas blanket. He wants to be seen as a loyal Texans fan. No doubt. But I I, I just have horns no faith. The horns are up. Well, that's what happens with devils. Horns do go up. But yep. I never said I wasn't an angel. Oh, geez. I can tell, pickle suit. But, mm-hmm. but I just have no faith, literally no faith, in the passing attack of Houston. Now, Jacksonville, they're going toward a more balanced attack, which is good. TJ Yeldon. I told you so. I told well, you so. I, I knew they I told would. you. I told you what was going to happen. I laid it out for you. Jerry. I laid it out. The, the, coach, the offensive coordinators, and and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I got to put this out there. I laid it out to you. The offensive coordinators that got fired from coaches like Rex Ryan, like um, uh, North Turner, like uh, uh, in Buffalo, and I'm trying to think of who, like Mark Tressman. In, in, in um, Baltimore, all those coaches, defensive-minded coaches, all four of them, head coaches, are concentrating and, and, and concentrating when they took over to run the football first, establish the run first. And I knew Chris Ivory, and I've tried to tell people Sunday on um, uh, uh, Master Plan, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday, that Chris Ivory would be the one because he's making the money. He, they brought him in to run the football, and that's exactly what they get, did. And Chris Ivory got his first 100-yard game. 
and it's nothing going to it's not anything but going to be pointed up with him running the football and being the primary carrier. Um so uh and I'll let you go on from there, but I had to put that out there that that you you see a change in these offensive coordinators uh and especially with the type of coach they are uh that that that's the head coach they're going to run the football first and play defense. And that's exactly what every one of those coaches, head coaches, had probably laid out to their new offensive coordinators. We're running the football first and then uh, playing defense and, and try to take our shots at a minimum. But we're running the football first. I mean, I figured that too. However, mm-hmm. one thing that I did believe would happen is um, I figured, well, there's going to be more running, which also translates into more passing lanes. Uh, I, Blake Bortles has re- regressed. Uh, oh yeah. Now. Oh yeah. I can blame. I can blame it on his offensive line. I can blame it on many, many things. But I just think because these teams are getting better. And they're playing more of a uh, smash mouth type of offense that mm-hmm. that has pretty much hurt Blake Broyles. I'm being very honest. Um, his ability to sling the ball down the field, he's a zone killer. He's a zone killer. He's the opposite of Kirk Cousins in my book. And what do I mean by that? Kirk Cousins... He can if you play man on him, he'll he'll find the matchup. But if you play a zone, it's terrible. He he can't figure it out. Blake Broyles is different. Blake Blake Broyles, if you play zone, he'll make the right decision nine times out of ten. When they go blitzing, when teams blitz him, he comes off of that primary receiver, and the cannon's there, the decision is there, but the accuracy is not. That's the difference. That is the difference in Blake Broidel of last year and Blake Broidel of this year. Um, now, translate that into them playing the Houston Texans. All right? So let's let's think about this. Division game, right? Um, teams have underperformed. Uh I'm quite sure that this is not the type of, of record or season uh, Houston came in thinking they'll have. You know, they're beating the, the bad teams, but playing very poorly versus uh, teams that are in contention. So let me phrase it a little differently here. I think this is the turnaround game for Jacksonville. Last week, as Jerry said, Chris Ivory ran the ball very well, had 100 yards. This week, he should do the same, if not more, which then opens the door for Marquise Lee, Allen Hearns, uh, Allen Robinson. I know they've been inconsistent this year as well, but it's also because their running game has been inconsistent. Um, Houston does not travel well. They don't. Um, 
the one consistent thing that has not been consistent lately with Houston is Lamar Miller. Miller is a excellent uh, running back, no no doubt about it. But as of late, teams have seen that Osweiler is not going to beat them. So what have teams done? They've stacked the box. And Jacksonville's defense is already an aggressive defense to begin with. They are already a team that um, looks to go after the quarterback and looks to stop the run first. Prince of Mukamura is is not a shutdown corner, but he's down there in Jacksonville doing his job and, and others with him. Uh, here's the crux of it, though. Houston cannot find a compliment for DeAndre Hopkins. Not only can they not do that, DeAndre Hopkins um, is getting double and triple teamed. Now, at the beginning of the year, it seemed like Fuller was going to be the answer, but he's fizzled off. They have a tight end, and Herdoishowitz, I believe, and he's ineffective. So it's just the Lamar Miller show. Let's just keep it real. That's what it is. And if Miller is stopped, so is Houston. Going to Jacksonville. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars winning this game uh, by five to seven points. I think it's going to be a... Uh, a good game, actually. I think it's going to be a very good game um, with Jacksonville pulling it out. Go ahead, JT. Well, I've seen every last game of the Texans. I've seen how they play on the road, where they're 0-3 on the road. All five of the wins have been home. Jacksonville Jaguars are 2-6, and six, lost their last three, and 1-3 at home. I've always said... Jacksonville plays better at home, even though they haven't won at home. Uh, this is a division rival, um, and division rivals usually get ramped up in um, uh, in the competition-wise. And hopefully, with a with week nine bye that the Houston Texans have had, they somehow tweaked or fixed or, or twerked. I shouldn't say twerked or tweaked their. Um, <laughs> I hope they weren't twerking. Yeah, tweak their um, their offense because they definitely were struggling, and Brock Osler was at the head of the line with that. And um, uh, like I said, they're playing on a road. Uh, I also said that Blake Bortles uh, preseason or before the season started, I, I wasn't really feeling Blake Bortles. Uh, he basically had, if I'm not mistaken, a, a cup cup cupcake uh, schedule last last year versus the tougher schedule he has this year. And it's showing because he usually has a slow start up until the point that they got rid of the offensive coordinator and then garbage points were accumulated in the fourth quarter. I still believe, and this is a mid-range scoring game, um, two, two teams that one has a good defense, the other one has a good offense. Um, one has a uh, uh, trouble with the offense, the other one has trouble with their defense, meaning 
Uh, Houston, good defense. Um, weak on the offensive side. Uh, Jacksonville, the exact opposite. Good offense. Good offensive weapons are, are lacking, even though spending a lot of money uh, to accumulate or acquire defensive guys to shore that side of up, sure side that side of the uh, ball up. Still struggle on the defensive side. Uh, to me, this is a toss-up game, uh, and uh, because of the history of the Houston Texans. Uh, I would say it's even more of a toss-up game, and you don't, you never know what kind of Brassweiler you're going to get, um, and that's the that's the bottom line. You know what you're going to get with the, um, Blake Bortles, uh, but you don't know what you're going to get out of Brock Osweiler. Um, I gotta believe that the better team, in my opinion, is the Houston Texans. Um, defense wins championships, and defense I think is going to win this game. I like the Houston Texans. Um, you think Houston's defense is better than Jacksonville's? I disagree. We shall see. Um, now this game that I'm, we're about to talk about, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it this would have been a, a laugher. Like, why are you saying what you're saying? But I want people to listen to me. I really do. Denver travels to Indianapolis. Okay, one team has a talented defense that got exposed last week by David Carr. And the reason why they got exposed is because Aqib Tlaib was not in that game. That's my opinion. Aqib Tlaib is not going to be in this game either. They're taking on uh, New Orleans. Denver goes to New Orleans. New Orleans throws the ball quite a bit. Quite a bit. And if David Carr can put up the numbers he did versus uh, that Denver defense, uh, I think there's going to be a very similar uh, showing for Drew Brees, if not better. Now, Von Miller is not going against, you know, Donald Penn when he takes on uh, New Orleans. But the difference here is Drew Brees is more cerebral than David Carr. And Mr. Thomas, William Thomas, is the go-to guy, not Willie Sneed, not, you know, a couple of these other cats uh, that are getting, you know, or, or Brandon Cooks, who, who uh, got a lot of press as a receiving core. But Thomas seemingly is is the guy for um, for New Orleans. Now, the problem is this. If this becomes a shootout, which I think uh, New Orleans is going to try to make it, they're going to try to make this a very, you know, you got to win by passing the ball game. Simeon, with all the weapons he has, won't be able to do it. He will not be able to win a shootout game for Denver. So my prediction is this will become a shootout, and New Orleans upsets Denver. Uh, the reason why I say upsets is because I think that Drew Brees and company are going to get the ball out quick, whether it's in the screen game 
whether it's in, you know, quick slants or just go routes, I, I honestly believe that they're going to test that secondary of uh, Denver with Aqib Tlaib not being in there again this week. Uh, and on a side note, Isaiah Pede, uh, former Ram, just released, not just released, but released by the Dolphins, uh, is in serious condition after a critical. Uh, car ac- critical condition after a car accident. And uh, there were issues with him uh, and the Rams. His mom said that he was suffering from some mental issues thanks to football uh, early on in the summer. And he didn't report to training camp and some other things. There were some other issues going on there. And uh, hopefully the young man uh, didn't cause this accident or uh, mean to do whatever it is that took place, but it does not look good for him. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, I know we don't have the Dolphins uh, coming up just yet, but I wanted to put that out there. Uh, Denver, New Orleans, Jerry, go ahead. Uh, this is another two opposites to track. High-powered offense playing at home. Drew Brees loves to throw for over 300 yards at home. I mean, that's like a staple. He's topped 300 yards five times this year, touchdowns this year. He only had one game, and that was against a very good defense, and he threw for 265 yards and a score, and that was against Seattle. I like, uh, and the emperor has shown his warts, meaning Denver defense has shown his warts. Uh, you saw it uh, last week um, um, when um, Denver went up against, um, who did he play last week? Uh, Oakland. Oakland. And Oakland. And Mr. Murray, meaning Mr. Latavius Murray, Ran all over him. The week before, the one of the top running backs in fantasy, Melvin Gordon, my boy, people there I've told go. you about, had a monster back game. Sore. No, no, no. Had a monster game. I'm trying to make a point here. Had a monster game, just like Latavius Murray, uh, uh, week at nine, week eight. Melvin Gordon had a monstrous game against his vaunted defense. They can be run on. And when if you can run on a defense and and put them on the heels like that, you'll be able to pass on. And with a high-powered offense with multiple weapons that the New Orleans Saints have, I expect this to be a relatively high-scoring game. And with the limitations of the quarterback that Denver has, especially on the road inside in the stadium in New Orleans. I like the New Orleans uh, Saints to win this game. Okay. So we agree. Now to a game that is highly disappointing to a lot of people uh, for different reasons, though. Uh, the Rams take on the Jets. Now. Yeah. 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 What? I didn't say anything. Not yet. But. Not yet. The Jets. Not yet. I know it's coming. I know it's coming, though. Listen, it's okay. The Jets are actually going into this game with the possibility of playing, if not starting, 
uh, former Baylor quarterback. Uh, oh my god, his name was just on my mind. Oh my god, I'm getting Bryce old, Petty. dude. Bryce yeah, Bryce. Petty. Yeah, Bryce Petty. Uh, because there seems to be a, a, a serious issue with Fitzgerald. I mean, excuse me, Fitzpatrick at Thank quarterback. You. Uh, you screwing names hey, up today, buddy. Whatever. Well, Whatever. I'm making America. I'm making America great again. Um, okay. So, I know. Uh, <sighs> but Matt Forte needs to get the ball more because if you continue to rely on Brandon Marshall uh, and company, things are not going to do well for the Jets. They need to give him the ball, but he's going against the Jets are going against a team that has a crazy defense that's just as good as theirs if not better, in the Rams. The secret here is the Rams can't run the ball with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is questionable. Now, you can't run the ball. You can barely throw the ball. But surprisingly, Kenny Britt has been a very uh, consistent um, player for the Rams this year, even though the one that got paid, Tavon Austin, uh, has been okay, but the quarterback just can't get him the ball. But Kenny Britt has been a a a QB friend uh, for a while this season. He's going against the worst, the 32nd ranked pass defense in the Jets. 32nd ranked. Never thought you would say that about a team that has the real Revis. Got it. Revis is hurt. He's out on us, but they were still 32nd when he was in the game. Um, but here's the, the crux of it. The Rams can't seem to get their offense off the ground. Case Keenum, I don't know if it's, you know, his reads or, you know, I, I, I honestly can't tell you what it is about Case Keenum and why he cannot uh, make a better decision with the ball. He's averaging an interception a game. It's like you're guaranteed a, a pick a game with Case Keenum. And Jared Goff seemingly is nowhere near ready to play, which is a good thing because the offensive line is not that good in, in L.A. Um, because if it were, Todd Gurley would have – several rushing touchdowns and would be, as he predicted at the beginning of the season, the best player in fantasy football. He's not even close to that. I'm fortunate enough to be uh, to have only drafted him once as my top back or top player in the uh, fantasy drafts this year. I'm that fortunate because those that have picked him or did pick him as as their number one back and number one overall pick or, or number two, whatever, they're suffering. They're suffering. Um, I don't think he would do well even if he was healthy in this game. I think the Jets' front seven is heated up. It's just their back four that causes problems. And Keenum cannot expose it. 
He might try, but I don't think he'll be able to. I really don't. With that being said, I'm picking Jerry's Jets to win the game. See, I waited to the very end, Jerry, to the very end. I still love you. All right. L.A. can't get out of some way. Uh, uh, Todd Gurley was a top five pick in most drafts, um, and he hasn't performed in large part to the offensive line and partially because of um, uh, Todd Gurley making poor decisions. Um, And Jeff Fisher has also said, and I've been screaming like this for the last three or four weeks, um, that Todd Gurley only gets the ball uh, 14, 15 times a game, which is if he's your main guy on offense and you only give him 14, 15 carries, that is poor management of your best asset. Uh, I expect Todd Gurley to get uh, more than 14, 15 carries. Now, uh, in PPR, he's been more effective because he's been more involved in the passing game each each uh, uh, game. And I think the problem with the uh, Rams are they're not imagining, uh, don't have as much imagination as they should have in getting the ball to their main asset. Look what happened um, with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it took a... OC change, offensive coordinator change, to get the ball to their best asset, which was Shady McCoy. And Shady McCoy, even though his numbers were decent before the offensive court, a new offensive coordinator took over, his offense, his, his numbers have definitely gone up since the change. Um, I think they're going to try to uh, get Todd Gurley the ball more, quite naturally in carries and in space. Uh, since the offensive line can't seem to open holes, what's the what's the alternative? If you can't open holes, you get you try to get your uh, uh, best asset, which is a running back, out in space and let him do his thing with less uh, resistance. And I think the Rams can do this. Now it's played in in MetLife in New Jersey against the Jets. Jets have a defense that's strong seven. Week on the back end. It's been like that for a few years now. Uh, Case Keenum uh, seems like if he's limited in passing, can be effective. But if you try to rely on him to make plays after plays and win you the game, then that's where he starts uh, making poor decisions and he starts giving gifts to the defense. Low-scoring game, these two Offenses are going to struggle against two good defenses in L.A. and New York. Um, I like the Jets to win this game in a close game. They need this game. There are um, one and two at home. Uh, the Rams are two and two on the road, so the Rams have no problem basically playing on the road. The Jets have lost their last, what, two games or whatever? Yeah, in uh, shocking fashion. And uh, they need this win in the worst way, um, even to remotely stay in a playoff hunt. They're three and six now. They lose another game, they can hang it up because they do have a pretty bad schedule going forward. 
um, after they play the Rams, uh, they go on a bye, and then there's New England, Indianapolis, and I don't think they win either of those games. They may win against in San Francisco, then they, then they play Miami, then they play New England again, unless they play Buffalo. So <laughs> they don't have too many more chances to win games. And this is one of the, probably one of the best out of the last six games. So they better make the best of it. And I like the Jets to win this. Uh, before I move on, I got to tell you, I think they'll win two of those last five. Uh, I really think they will. Uh, Indianapolis is not going to beat them. I, I think the Jets win that game. But let's move on to a game okay. that's, Birds of prey. Atlanta Falcons going to Philadelphia. Now, Philly, you know, uh, Wentzylvania, as they're calling it, uh, is getting less and less popular, uh, but it's not its fault. I believe it's because the shuffling of the backs has something to do with it. Even though Darren Sproles is a a definite uh, spark plug, um, I think Philly definitely needs to stay with um, one back and bring Frozen as a change of pace instead of making him the feature and then bringing in Kenyon Barnes and all these other guys. I think that's a big mistake. Uh, though Fletcher Cox says that he needs to play better because he got a better contract, I don't think it's Fletcher Cox's fault. I think it's uh, a full team effort that needs to take place in Philadelphia so that they can be as dominant as they were in the beginning of the season. Again, at the beginning of the season, teams are not uh, where they should be, meaning the the chemistry is not there. So if you can beat some teams at the beginning of the season, yep. that's great. That is great. Yep. But as you get in, yeah, as you get into the middle and later parts of the season, teams have gelled. And what you did in the beginning is definitely not going to work a team uh, that's catching its stride. Atlanta. Atlanta has stepped up. The Dirty Birds and Matt Ryan, uh, Matty Ice, have um, said, hey, don't forget about me. Now, a, a pattern that I've noticed is Julio Jones has a terrible game. Then the following week, he has a monstrous game. So I think this week, Julio Jones has a monstrous game against Philly. Uh, it, it's no secret they're going to throw the ball to him. Mohamed Sanu uh, caught a, a game when he touched down last weekend. Um, Coleman is still out, but... Uh, Devontae Freeman has proven that he can still be the the guy uh, for the offense. The one thing that I think is missing from Atlanta is a tight end that's consistent. Tua Lopo caught a touchdown last week, if I'm not mistaken, but he needs to be that guy every week to help Matt Ryan out, especially with the short yardage plays. Um, you can't send Julio on nines all the time or skinny sixes or, uh, you know, deep, deep balls and expect Sanu and these other guys to catch the big stuff uh, in the middle of the field. 
It's not going to happen consistently. Uh, Philly's no joke. I just think Atlanta has a better shot at winning this game. So I'm going to say Atlanta on the road, uh, going to Winsylvania and picking up the victory. Go ahead, JT. Atlanta's 6-3 and three, um, and 4-1 uh, on the road. Eagles are 4-4 four and four, and on a two-game losing streak but are undefeated at home with 3-0. Three, uh, three and oh. um, I think the uh, Carson Wentz, the number two pick in the uh, draft, is showing his warts. I think that the um, defenses that he's gone up against, um, and he's, he pretty much has struggled uh, over the last two or three games. Um, I see that uh, um, even though Atlanta is pretty not a, not that good a defense, uh, but they're a high-powered offense. Um, yes, they're a high-powered offense, and you have to see um, with a lot of options in the running game and a lot of options in the passing game. Don't dis- discount. Uh, all these other wide receivers, including the tight end, uh, in the passing game because they all can can uh, be effective. And Matt Ryan, who's having a career year, um, uh, whether he's home or on the road, is uh, balling out. And I expect this to be a mid-20s game, somewhere around there. Uh, and I think Philly's favorite at home. But I got to believe the high-powered offense of Atlanta is going to um, prevail in this game, and Carson Wentz is going to continue to show his warts. Uh, uh, and and uh, um, the uh, a rookie, as a rookie, and um, the uh, Atlanta Falcons are going to win this game. That's what I got. Let's move on. Chicago goes down to Tampa Bay, where the muscle hamster looks to make his return. Um uh, and it's kind of good that he's coming because they're down to only one other back in Barber. Uh, game time. There's no game. Yeah, game time decision. Um, Mike Evans is doing all that he can do along with Jameis Winston, but it's it's not looking good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, in my opinion. Chicago uh, has the return of Jay Cutler, who um, last week looked pretty good, to be quite honest. Again, they had a running game in Howard. Uh, Langford did not figure into that equation uh, much, but I think he will uh, as the season progresses. Howard's a rookie, and at some point I believe he's going to hit that rookie wall, and Langford's going to come in and he's going to get his job back. Uh, but all this is to the benefit of one person. Well, several people actually, but mainly Jay Cutler. Because with a strong run game, Jay Cutler can do the play-action pass and have more time to hit Miller, Alshon Jeffrey, and others down the field. So uh, I honestly think the Bears are going to win this game in Tampa Bay based upon Jay Cutler's play. Uh, I think with the play-action, whether Howard's getting yards or not, I think he's going to get yards or Langford's going to get yards. But because it's a consistent, you know, try at the run, uh, the run game, and Jay Cutler's big arm, I say look out. Chicago's going to win this game. Go ahead, JT. All right, you got uh, Chicago, who's two and six, and zero and four on the road. 
versus a three and five Buccaneer team that's surprisingly zero and four at home. Unbelievable. They play better at, on the road than they do at home. Um, you got uh, Jameis Winston uh, and Mike Evans with a array of other wide receivers um, to throw to. You got a game time decision, and you Doug Martin fans, you so anxious to put him in there. He's going to be uh, any player, especially the skilled players, wide receiver, running back, and even quarterback. They've been out for a certain time. Not so much a quarterback, but the running back and wide receiver maybe tight end. They've been out a certain time, a certain length of time, um, two, three, four, five, six, eight games or whatever, like Doug Martin. He's not going to get a full workload coming at, coming off of an injury like that. Um, and don't expect Doug Martin to get a full workload. So Peyton Barber is going to be involved in that, meaning that's going to take away from uh, Doug Martin. So, basically, they're going to be running the football. I mean, uh, passing the football more, um, trying to get up on the Chicago Bears. Now, Jay Cutler on the other side. Uh, We saw a new Jay Cutler or revitalized Jay Cutler with a strong run game that um, Jordan had, a big game he had. But there's talk that because Jeremy Lankford is healthy now, it's going to be that dreaded RBBC that uh, uh, by committee that Jeremy Lankford and Jordan Howard and it's John Fox he can screw up the, the best best of things with a running back by committee. Um, don't know how much Jeremy Lankford is going to be involved, but he definitely I think is going to be involved, and that could take away from Jordan Howard. Um, the uh, hookup. Between Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey is revitalized because now Jay Cutler likes to look for that big, tall receiver, and Alshon Jeffrey diminished the other wide receivers. Not to say he's going, he's strictly going to look at Alshon, but Alshon's going to be his main target, um, along with the probably the tight end. They're on the road. This game is a pick'em. It's a pick'em. Sooner or later. Tampa Bay has to win a game at home, and I think this is the sooner. Well, to each his own. Let's move on. Um, Green Bay goes to Tennessee. Now, in the past, this would have been an easy game to pick. Now, Again, in the past. Yeah, not now. For whatever reason, Jordy Nelson and company cannot get open. I mean, whether it's because there's no respect for the run game or even when Eddie Lacy was in there, they still couldn't get open. And Aaron Rodgers is looking like an average NFL quarterback. Uh, but there is hope. James Starks looks to return this week. So there's a slash and dash type of running back coming back to uh, aid in the offensive prowess of the Green Bay Packers. Now, on the flip side of that, Tennessee has a very, very good defense and an emerging offense. Derrick Henry, um, I think he hurt himself or something like that. So there might be a a need for a backup of um, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray is going into the game listed as questionable. Um, Nothing new with DeMarco Murray. Uh, Very productive back, but at times injury prone. 
But that's the difference here. Tennessee has a run game, a strong one at that. They're at home. Green Bay has been uh, struggling mightily in all phases of the offensive game. I'm not going to say it's Mike McCarthy's fault because I think the plays he's calling actually work. It's just the players aren't. Um, I'm, now, in my pick'ems, where you know I got a group of people who pick games, I pick Green Bay. But on this show, I, I'm telling you, I think Tennessee wins this game. Uh, they're at home, stronger defense, stronger running game. Uh, I just think they win. Go ahead, JT. The Packers are four and four with a two-game losing streak, and are only one and two on road games. The four and five Titans are two and three at home, and get this, folks, are scoring twenty-six points plus every week for the last month. Strong uh, run game. So what I'm saying is the Titans are playing better than uh, it seems they should, and the Packers team that uh, has been much worse than expected. Uh, wow, man, this is a coin flip to me. I don't know if it's heads or tails, heads being Green Bay, tails being Tennessee. Wow. I can't see the Packers going on a three-game three, three game losing streak. But they can't <sighs> pass the ball, JT, and they can't run either. Well, I, but I would think your... that I would, I would think this, um, the Tennessee Titans, excuse me, um, are top 15 across the board. Uh, I would say across the board from quarterback to running back and wide receiver. They're like the Victor said it. They're pretty good defense. Uh, but wow, this is a, this is a hard one. Um, this is definitely a hard one. Uh, but I have to go with uh, the better quarterback uh, and, and the better options that I think on our offense, and that's the Green Bay Packers. I like the pack. All right, let's go to a game where I honestly believe that Sam Bradford can take the top off uh, oh. this, this game. I really Ooh. believe so. But, but, but it's in Washington. Minnesota really doesn't have a running game. They've just begun to integrate uh, Ronnie Hillman into the running game. Um but I see the old Sam Bradford coming back. I really do. Getting a little gun shy. Uh, there are a few things that concern me with Minnesota's performance. Um, the defense is good. Don't get me wrong. The defense is, is what's keeping that team together. Now, speed kills. They have a lot of it on offense. Um problem is it's not developing into what it should uh, the last couple games. Minnesota started the season 5-0. and I believe now they're 5-3. and Three-game losing streak. That's right. Not being, not being a homer or anything like that, the Redskins are more balanced. More balanced than Minnesota. Uh, Xavier Rhodes he, he most likely wants to worry about Deshaun Jackson and all indications show that Deshaun Jackson is on his way out 
and he's going to go back to Philly or wherever he's going to go. Uh, it, it's a shame because I really think the kid is, is an excellent receiver. And if I were him, I'd do the same thing. The Redskins are probably going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, a guy that doesn't have an arm to get me the ball. Um, and I'm playing Deshaun Jackson right now. Um, so he's probably gearing up for rehab and where he's going to be next year. That leaves Jameson Crowder, young guy, nice, tall receiver, has some quickness with him. Pierre Garçon, who, by the way, also is in his contract year. And um, who else is that receiver? Dotson, who is on injured reserve. So it's not that many options there. But the, the key player here is Jordan Reed. If Eric... McKinnon does not play, that means old faithful Chad Greenway will get a bump in time and will most likely have to cover Reed, which is a mismatch to me. Um, And you all know that that's where Cousins like to go with the ball. Um, The difference here is the Minnesota's defense is just crazy. And it's going to be hard for the Redskins to score. Um, since I'm picking a team and, and picking a win, I'm going to go with Washington because I think they are the more rounded team. Meaning they can move the ball on the ground, they can move the ball in the air, they can stop uh, your offense. And special teams are decent. Minnesota, all about the defense this year. Just my opinion. JT, take it away. Vikings 5-3 and three are on a three-game losing straight streak with their offense who can't score more than one touchdown. And their opponents and North Turner are just po- quit. Excuse me? And North Turner Excuse just me? quit. Yes. And their po- opponents are posting at least 20 points per game. Just the, more or less the opposite of what happened the first five weeks. The Redskins are 4-3-1, coming off a bye, and have only lost one of their last five games. The Vikings seem like they're 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 on the uh, the needle is pointing down, the arrow is pointing down, I should say. Versus the Washington Redskins playing at home, coming off a bye with a team that's reeling offensive wise, and the defense isn't what it was in the first five games. This is a no-brainer for me. I like Washington, and I think I think it's going to be easy. I hope so. I really do. Let's move on. Miami goes to San Diego. See, I'm not a Washington Redskins hater. I I, I pick them if I think they're going to win. Yeah, once, but I'm not going to get into that. Oh, stop! Stop! <laughs> Miami goes to San Diego. Uh, Jay Ajay has said, "This is my ball, my team." put it on my shoulders, will win. Um, Landry looks like he's a little nicked up, along with a few other receivers. Uh, Devontae Parker may capitalize on his opportunity here uh, to to get some balls for Miami against that San Diego secondary. Now, San Diego, before they go on to buy, they want to you know tighten the race up between themselves and the Raiders for the AFC West crown. Um, 
his opportunity to do so. It's an opportunity. Miami is not that good, given all the names and money that was spent on defense. For whatever reason, Miami just is not performing the way they should. Uh, their wins have been uh, really. Yeah, my I think Miami is is not as good as they have been performing uh, lately. They've won two games, uh, in my opinion, by uh, luck. Honestly, I, I think the the kicking and all this stuff. I think they've won by luck. Now, Richard Sherman uh, ran into a kicker. Last week, um, didn't hurt him, could have, but didn't. And uh, the kicker's wife posted some very negative comments and a picture on her Twitter account. Uh, just just understand that Dan Carpenter, um, the the dudes in Dan Carpenter's locker room, might not be looking at him the way they did before that happened. And he did not ask his wife why she did what she did or stop his wife, but she did it anyway. I mean, on those purposes alone, I should just not pick Miami. That's just me. But I'm not a personal person here. I'm looking at San Diego and Melvin Gordon having a very good game. Um, I believe that San Diego wins this one. Uh, by 10 points. Go ahead, JT. All right. 4-4 four and four are the Dolphins, and they won their last three games. They're 0-3 on the road. 4-5 four and five, four and five are the Chargers. They're 3-1 and one at home. Uh, the Chargers last week, excuse me, last week, last year, uh, won 30-14 uh, uh, when the Dolphins visited uh, uh, in San Diego. The Dolphins have won their last three games when J.F. Jai took over the main running back duty. Um, I think this is a no-brainer for me. Uh, I, I think the offensive weapons um, on uh, Miami, excuse me, on uh, San Diego are too much for the defense that Miami is going to put out on the road, even though it's a late game, so it's a normal game at 1 o'clock on the East Coast for Miami. Phillip Rivers has been balling out, and I expect him to do so along with Melvin Gordon and the receiving core, including the tight ends. I think this is a no-brainer for me, and I think San Diego wins this comfortably. I don't know if they're going to win a comfortable, but I do think they're going to win. Now, a game that I think is going to be a comfortable win uh, has a questionable running back. And right now, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Chip Kelly. I'm not, going to, I'm not sure what's happening with Colin Kaepernick after his protest to admit that he did not vote. Um, he gave his reason for not doing so. But uh, I believe a lot of players... Uh, in that locker room have probably, you know, lost a little bit of faith or, or trust in him. Um, but, again, that's his bed. He made it. Let's see what happens with it. 
Carlos Hyde is scheduled to play. Maybe I don't know how big of a role he's going to have, but if he's available to play, he should be the starting halfback because they need him. Um, I, I also think that Arizona needs this win just like uh, uh, we need oxygen. Um, you're going to see David Johnson go off in this game. I did not know San Francisco has one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Not just in the run, not just in the pass, but overall, period, one of the worst. And with that being said, I I, I just think that it's going to be a run the, the score up for Arizona, especially since Arizona's had a couple bad beats and they have not performed well this year. Um, but J.J. Nelson, J.J. Uh, and, and all these other guys, they're going to step up in this game. Um, unfortunately, I still think that Michael Floyd is not going to have a good game. Unfortunately, it's like he's slipped to the third or fourth receiver now, um, even though he's a starter. But his numbers indicate that he should not be there. Um, but we'll see what happens in this game. It's at Arizona. Um, it's a rivalry game. Um, but wow. I'm not sure what to think about um, the San Francisco 49ers at all. But uh, as I said, this is the one game that's a lock to me. Go ahead, JT. Seven-game loser streak is what the 49ers have. The last four opponents bombed them for at least 33 points each. Cardinals are coming off a bye. They're 3-4-1. This is the second time they met um, this year. And the Cardinals beat him in San Francisco, 33-21. The 49ers have only played three road games and yet never failed to give up fewer than 37 points. Coming off a bye, this is what the Cardinals absolutely needed to make them feel a little bit better and get them at 500. Um, And I think they do. I think they win this easily. San Francisco's offense is absolutely horrible. Colin Kaepernick is at the helm, even though he, even though he was at I think over 400 yards of offense uh, against New Orleans, who's absolutely horrible. And uh, defensive-wise, I think it's going to be the exact opposite. And I'd be surprised if he gets 215, 220 yards combined running and passing the football in this game. Cardinals easy uh, and a nice, comfortable one at home. I think he might hit 250. I think he might hit 250. Let's move on. Uh, Dallas and Pittsburgh. This is the return of two vital players to each one of these teams. Um, now, let's talk about the one in Pittsburgh. Ladarius Green. A much-needed return, Ladarius Green, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, if you noticed last week, not sure why Le'Veon Bell didn't get the ball more. Not sure why Ben uh, was throwing the ball as much. But I think this is a big boost for that offense. It gives him someone else to rely on uh, and someone in the middle of the field. Now, taking on the Dallas Cowboys with the possible or said to be return of Tony Romo. Stephen Jones has stated uh, to NFL.com, that he believes that uh, Romo will be okay with someone finding him a new position. 
or new team. I honestly thought that he was going to go to Denver. That would have made a lot of sense to me. Um, but, oh, man, what, what can I say about the Cowboys without being biased? Uh, you guys know I don't like them. But it's not a lot not to like in this game, though. Even though they're playing at Heinz Field, the weather is supposed to be a little bad. So a little bit of rain here, there, uh, inclement weather, which says two of the league's best running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, with that beast offensive line, takes on Le'Veon Bell. Um, and that's where the difference is going to be, the offensive line. I hate to say it, but I think the Cowboys win it, even though in my other little league, I picked Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. Steel Curtain versus the Dying Star. I'm going to go with the Steel Curtain. Go ahead, JT. Wow. 7-1 Cowboys have won their last seven games and are 4-0 on the road. The 4-4 Steelers are 3-1 at home, but on a three-game losing streak. But the Steelers do play better at home. Ben Roethlisberger's numbers are considerably better at home versus on the on, on the road. Um, sooner or later, you'd have to think that the Dallas Cowboys would lose a road game. Now, my thing is this. Going off a little tangent here. My thing is this. If Dak Prescott loses this game, are they going to give him that short of a leash and give the reins back to Tony Romo in, in week 11? Or does he have a, a, a little more, more leeway? And even though he may lose this game, uh, come back uh, the following week at home against Baltimore and, and uh, take the starting roles and finishes the game, even though he may struggle or not because Baltimore's defense in week 11 is not that bad. I'm picking Pittsburgh in this game, but it's going to be a close game in my opinion. Um, two, two offenses that can hit you in multiple ways. I got to take the better offense and re- receivers that are in um, Pittsburgh playing at home and trying to stop a three-game losing streak. I like uh, Big Ben uh, with Dak getting his second loss this season. Well, let's move on. Seattle goes to New England. Now, this is going to be a rematch of the Super Bowl for a couple years back. I mean, those different players... Huh? Why did you pass the ball? Talking to Pete Carroll, why did you pass yeah, the ball? I agree. And I think even with Christian Michael a little nicked up, uh, that Presley or whoever else is going to come in there is going to get the rock in a very similar situation. Um, Tom Brady has been hot, so have the Patriots um, winning the last three to four games, if I'm not mistaken. But I want you to understand something. Seattle is no one to be trifled with. Cam Chancellor back there or not? I believe Bam Bam Cam isn't going to be back there this year. I mean this game. But if you were, I'd make this a pick 'em. I really would. I honestly think Seattle's going to win this game on the strength of uh, short passes and things that they they normally do. Not Cincinnati. Uh, 
New England is more used to you got that money. We're going to spend the money. Um, I want to win, so I'm going to do whatever it is I got to do to win. Uh, I'm Tom Brady. I'm Bill Belichick, and the rest of you guys suck. That That's their mindset. Look what they just did to Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins, a very, very productive player. Now, it's business. I get it. So you maximize your opportunity. Cleveland, even though we had a good game versus the Ravens, but Cleveland, no one's safe in the Pack organization, in my opinion. And uh, that that doesn't make it a great situation with uh, Seattle coming in and, and wanting a little revenge. Um, Marshawn Lynch, not Marshawn Lynch, um, I can't remember can't remember right now. It, my Michael. mind's yeah, Kristen Michael. Uh, if he gets a scene, he's gone. And the 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 other thing is, Russell Wilson is finding Jimmy Graham. He is finding Jimmy Graham. Patrick Chung's going to have his hands full all game long. I'm picking Seattle in this game, and it's uh, I think it's going to be. A humbling experience for Tom Brady and company. Go ahead, JT. Not the same defense as it was in past years. Definitely not the same defense it was in past years. And uh, they're playing in Foxborough. Tom Brady, since he's come back, it's undefeated. Not, and it's not been even. <clears throat> let me see now. It hasn't even been been even close since Tom Brady's come back in. Uh, um, Week five, Cleveland thirty-three to thirteen, Cincinnati thirty-five seventeen, Pittsburgh twenty-seven sixteen, Buffalo forty-one twenty-five. What's that telling you? They're playing at home, where they very rarely lose. The Seahawks have a uh, uh, have a record of five two and one, one two and one in road games. Patriots have won every game by at least 11 points since Tom Brady returned. I like the Patriots, and I don't think it's going to be close. All right, last game of the weekend. Cincinnati goes to the Giants Monday night. Um, Cincinnati is not what, you know, they came out as at the beginning of of the season. Not sure what's going on in Cincinnati, but Ray Manaluga is is said to be out of this game. Um, Vontez Burford is going in nicked up. Uh, I, I don't know. Victor Cruz is nicked up. Uh, Shepard has not seen the end zone since the uh, first three weeks of the NFL season. Um, Rashad Jennings, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on in this game. Um, but I believe A.J. Green is going to have another huge game. It, I think it's an apropos Monday night game, but I'm going to go with, uh, wow. Shock and heart, and you're to blame. I got to pick Cincinnati. I got I to gotta pick that who, who that nation. Bon Jovi just made me pick them. I, I, I don't know why, but I got to go with Cincinnati. 
I don't think Odell Beckham and, and, and the Giants at home are going to be able to – no real reason why. I just feel that way. Go ahead, JT. Cincinnati's coming off a bye. They're 3-4-1. 3-4-1. Coming off their bye, they're 1-3 on the road. Uh, they just barely beat the Jets uh, uh, in a season opener. The 5-3 and three Giants are 3-1 and one at home and just beat the visiting Eagles. Um, but the Giants have had plenty of problems, and they've been very good at home. The Bengals' defense, I think you alluded to it, hasn't been as uh, uh, in years past. And quite naturally, they've gotten two main targets in, that are really liable targets on offense. And that's uh, Travis Kelsey and the new, newly uh, uh, the guy who's pretty much come back in the last couple of games is uh, um, Tyler Eifert. Player right there. Yes. Um, this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be uh, high 20s, somewhere around there. Um, I think the Giants are favorite in this, and I do like the Giants to win this. Uh, I think that the Giants are going to put enough offense together to beat a not-so-good, as in years past, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, who are playing on the road and uh, um, have a losing record on the road. I like the Giants. Now, with that being said, JT, that concludes all the NFL games. We got roughly seven minutes left. What? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. What? What's wrong? Listen. <laughs> well, I know. Okay. I know where you go. That's why. I, <laughs> that's why I'm saying that. All right. Well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make this real quick. Even though I really, really, really wanted to get in a political conversation, I might just do a special show uh, during the week to get some of my political frustrations out. Um, Ooh, I'm really okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really getting into it. Next four years, Why? I'm going to be more political. Why? I'm going to be more political than ever in the next four years, um, mm. because I truly think that we have regressed as a people, and I'm not the only one. Greg Popovich, coach of the five-time NBA champion, coach of the. Uh, San Antonio Spurs and a highly regarded individual when it comes to life and world events, um, not just basketball, but just success, uh, people, and things of that nature. He's quoted as saying he believes that we've gone back to uh, that we are New Rome. And I've said this many, 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 many times. Empires are built, they expand, and then they fold. The people make mistakes that cause these things to happen, those in leadership. But when you put people in power to do that, you speed up the process. Now, the views I'm about to express are those of mine and mine only. Not of Jerry, not of my uh, employer or anything, anyone like that. They're mine. And Jerry wore the pickle suit. We got pictures of it. And he's lucky I ain't got much time to talk about it. But uh, I'm going to get it. Um, protest. 
three straight nights of protests, going on four possible nights of straight protests. Young men and women in high schools and in elementary schools shouting out things such as white power, uh, you know, uh, graffiti on on people of ethnicities, uh, different ethnicities, uh, telling them, you know, what they can do. The Brexit is here. The Brexit is American X, whatever you want to call it right now. One group has been empowered to say and do whatever it is they want by adults. I'm not even talking about the adults right now. I'm talking about the kids. It's a shame, a bloody shame. And you are witnessing what happens uh, when you unleash a person that is said so many things, whether he meant them or not. He appealed to various groups of people to get elected. Now, those people feel emboldened and empowered to say and do whatever it is they please, and a lot have done so. Now, on the flip side, a lot of supporters of Hillary or or, uh, ethnic people have done and said some things in retaliation to this, a lot of which I don't agree with. Um, But at the same time, there are a lot of folks, a lot, that are on my timeline on Facebook and that I know that are thrilled beyond belief that a Republican is is in office or will be in office. And then there are those, a a lot of which on my timeline again, um, and that I work with, that are happy that the values and views, views of Donald Trump, some of his supporters, not all, but some of his supporters, stand for. Now, I'm not going to read what Popovich said. It's a lot. You can go to Yahoo and listen or read the transcript of what Popovich says. But let's think about this. A man or woman, whoever, but in this case, a man, says so many terrible things. Reacts terribly when he is criticized or or things pointed at him. People actually hearing him say them and then his supporters and others said, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't mean that. As the president-elect, the first tweet he put out was a negative about the protesters. Then someone got a hold of his Twitter account and said, no, don't do that. You're the president-elect. You have to be more down the middle. And he changed the tone in in, in a text or, or in a tweet. The point is this, ladies and gentlemen. You reap what you sow. So this type of creation, you've created Frankenstein's monster. 
the Republican-led government, not just White House, but soon to be the judicial system with the Supreme Court. The executive branch is the White House. And the Senate and the House of Representatives are all Republican-led. You reap what you sow. If you think that a Republican-led anything, complete government, is the answer, I tell you to look back 1943, I believe, when there was the Great Depression. That was the last time that the Republicans led everything. Everything. Think about that. One mindset and look what happened to our, our, our country. All the, the minorities, the pipelines, everything. It's going to be crazy. Quick story, then I'm, I'm going to let you go, JT, or I'll let you say what you're going to say, then we'll get off the air, because I know we're in overtime now. Mike yep. Rowe. Mike Rowe, former host of the show Dirty Jobs on um, Discovery Channel. He wrote a reply to someone named uh, Carol or Carl. No, it's Carol. In reference to, you know, his thoughts on the election. He believes that all the shovel-ready jobs, are the skilled craft jobs that were promised under Obama need and will come under, you know, uh, Trump. He believes he can help Trump or anybody, as he said, he offered to Obama uh, a way to make this happen. And I replied back to him saying, I agree. Skilled labor is needed. Okay? It is. But we as Americans are too stuck up and too uh, unwilling to take these quote-unquote dirty jobs at the lowest level. And get paid the crap money in order to to do these things. Because there are millions and millions of jobs out there. Millions. But we as Americans don't think that we that, that these jobs are beneath us. We believe these jobs are beneath us. So we don't take them. We let, you know, undocumented, lesser intelligent folks do it. And I said, the tech industry is the new industrial age. Or the industrial boom. All other jobs that are not tech related, for lack of, of better understanding, are given to those that aren't quite smart enough to survive in the tech world. So I, I posed it to him like this in a, in a very brief example or explanation of, of why I think. Uh, and and how I can see this or his idea happening. I took him back to slavery. I took him back to the railroad system. And I basically said, and I wasn't trying to make it racial, but I just proved the point, that one group of people felt as though they were beneath doing certain jobs. So they enslaved and tricked people into doing those jobs for them. They built the country off the backs of those people, not their hard labor, but the people that they tricked and enslaved 
hard work. Now, that mindset may be dissipated a little bit, but the concept has not. So I said, Mr. Rowe, I agree. You can put shop class back in the high schools, teach people a trade. But where's the money going to come from? And, and this is a big deal for Republicans, privatizing schools, you can't force shop class in a private school. You can't because those people feel as though those positions are beneath them. So let's say you put it in public schools. Got it. And you make it mandatory. Got it. But who's predominantly in those public schools? People of color. Not just black, not just Latino, Asian, and and all other types. So now they have the jobs, the skill that's needed to build America. Well, let's say that doesn't work either. Then you have the prison system, the privatized prison system, whereas you have ready-made labor to do the job. You give them a skill, you make them as part of their uh, recovery or, or whatever it is it's called. You force them to do these jobs. But there's one problem with that. You can't have a steady workflow of employees if people are getting out of prison. But the incongruent sentencing and judgments against ethnicities in the prison system or in the judicial system will ensure that you will have a steady flow of workers that are non-white. Therefore, your employment, quote-unquote, Rehabilitative But when you have The same crime Happening by two different people And the judgment Is totally skewed On the spectrum How do you justify that? You can't But if you give them a trade You rebuild America, you justify it. Because you can say, well, you know what? Jonathan, who goes to Stanford, raped a young lady. But his future is too important for him to go to prison. But Michael, who went to Vanderbilt, did the same exact thing. Well, you know, he's just a black person or he's just a Latino person. You know, he's smart enough to get into Vanderbilt. Let's put him in the prison system. Instead of educating him on the way of business and things of that nature, we'll give him a trade and say we rehabilitated him and use his services to rebuild America. And I I put this all in, in maybe two paragraphs. To, to Mike Rowe He hasn't replied back to me yet But that's what I see That's what I see 
from a man who won presidential election on hate. That's what I see when I see the entire government system, at least for the next two years, being ran by Republicans. That's what I see when you're telling me one or maybe three Supreme Court justices will be appointed by Donald Trump, who will make policy, not policy, but laws for the country for the next 50 years. You said something that we play a lot, Jerry, and that's absolute power corrupts absolutely yep and right now on january 21st because the 20th is is the inauguration the 21st of january absolute power will be given to those that are already corrupted absolutely so when you see these protests going on and people are saying that's not the right thing to do. I say, yes, it is. Will it change anything? No. But what what will it show? It will show that you cannot have a country full of diverse people be talked down to, belittled, but have I believe it was 85% of white males voted for Donald Trump. I believe that's the the exit poll. 85%. And I've also seen articles where female Muslim women, Tinos, voted for Donald Trump. I think it was like 15% or 30% Somewhere in that area, 30% of Latinos voted for for Trump, 15% of of blacks voted for him as well. Think about that. I don't want to call them names like Uncle Ruckuses and all that other stuff, but what happens when reality hits them in the face? What happens? Oh, well, that's not the Donald Trump we knew. Why not? He was selling it to you from day one. Will Donald Trump go through with all of his campaign promises? I doubt it. I doubt it. He won't be able to. But yes, he will, because he'll control the Senate, the House, and the Supreme Court. Not to mention, he'll have an executive order uh, uh, ability yep. Corrupts absolutely So for all these people That were jubilant When he got elected In the same way When uh, President Obama was elected But it, the difference is this People that were Elated that President Obama got elected Was elated that the country said not just 
a white person can take office. Forget the fact that the dude was black. Forget that. Obama represented every ethnicity in this country, every ethnicity. And that's what pissed off a lot of these uh, supporters of Donald Trump that were KKK supporters. A lot of these people that, to your face, said and did a lot of things, but when they went to that voting booth, showed their true colors. I mean, that is fact. Exit, I mean, polling of these people all around the, the the country. Even Fox said they were skeptical. It's impossible. From these polls, people are saying they're doing this, that, and the third. But when the truth came out, it showed a lot of people lied. So what does that say? It says a lot. And Again, I don't want to hold you hostage or nothing like that, JT. I'm about to get ready to go back to bed myself. But I want to have a dialogue about this. Because if you're mad or if you were mad about Obama taking office, but jubilant about Trump taking office because you think a real change is going to happen. Yeah, a real change is going to happen. It's already started. In schools, on the street. That that's what's happening. A lot of people are not hiding who they are, what they're teaching their kids to be. Schools, think about this. High school kids. High school kids are doing some of the most racist. Things and saying some of the most racist things, they don't even realize they're they are committing a hate crime. They don't realize it. But with this Republican-led government, I bet you some of those hate crime bills get repealed or turned back. I bet you all this stuff that's. These people feel they're free to do and say and all that. Okay. Not a problem. But as I told my daughter, in four years, she'll be 18. She'll be able to vote. It'll be her very first time voting for anything. And let me me, me stop you there for a minute. Go ahead. And at 18 along with the people that are voting eligible or were voting eligible on um, November 8th, get your ass out of there and vote. The problem was, and this is how I see it, our candidate, the Democratic candidate, didn't energize the base enough for them to get out and vote. Not enough of them came out to vote. A flawed candidate that couldn't rally 
enough of the people on the other side of the aisle to get them out there and vote. Thought it was in the bag, more or less, and it was their vote wasn't necessary. And I blame the Democratic Party for that. The, the, the candidate was flawed. She she's not wasn't the candidate that people were looking for. Not the same old, same old. Put some type of change into what you, your your platform is, and it wasn't there. The other candidate, regardless of what you may think of him and the things he says, energized enough of the base and of quite a bit of them. If you look at his rallies, quite a bit of them. He was the he was the candidate of change, not the status quo. Keep things the way they are. I agree. And he energized enough of the base to get him out there and vote, whereas the candidate on the Democratic side did not uh, do that. And uh, half of the base, if I'm not mistaken, of the Democratic Party did not come out and vote. That's what happened, people. And I'm so pissed off that you can sit at home and, and then get pissed off if you didn't get out there, your ass out there and vote. Well, you got four years to deal with this. And if this doesn't wake your ass up to get off your ass, and go to the voting booth to vote, nothing will. Well, I'll put it to you this way, Jerry. 300 million people, right? 300 million people are eligible to vote. 300 million people are eligible to vote. A little over 100 million people voted. Yep. Or or ballots that were counted. Let let me put it this. I saw. I saw. This is what I saw. I saw. I think uh, twenty six, twenty five point something million uh, Democrats voted versus uh, just a little bit higher percentage in Republicans, which tells me that, which shows me that on the screen, that damn near fifty percent of the eligible voters did not come out and vote. Did oh, forty six percent, forty six and change did not come out and vote. That pisses listen. me off when you. Everybody in the media was saying how big how big an election this was. If you if you are stupid enough not not realize the ramifications of uh, uh, of what was going to take place, especially in the Supreme Court, to say it, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, and this is, this is what you get. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, I ran into several uh, fellow co-workers of mine who said they didn't vote because they didn't like either candidate. And then you got those that did vote, but they voted for the third party candidate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which screwed Clinton. Um, And you know what? Hey, that's something Donald and his people probably banked on. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as maybe not as much as they got, but they figured okay, in certain areas he will still a part of the vote. And then this independent in Utah. The independent dude in Utah took half of Hillary's vote. Now listen. As Jerry said, 
she was flawed and is flawed. I got it. I got it. But in comparison to this change agent, you you got two flawed people. You're You're missing you're missing a point, Victor. What I'm saying is, besides being all the things that they were brought up in the media, she didn't do enough to oh, energize no, no, I got the it. people. No, no, I got that. And I, I agree. To get their ass out there and vote. That's what I'm I, talking I got about. It. Lord, she didn't do enough. Well, but, but JT, it was also the fact that she played more toward the black community and did not play to the base, which is a lot of the white voters. Wait a minute. They didn't even come out. The black community didn't come even coming out enough to vote. I know. That's the black what I, community. I, that, I know. I know. I mean, come on, bro. I, I understand that, and that that's part of my argument. That's part of my argument that when I talk to these people that I work with, you know, and they say what they want to say, that's fine. You know, you don't have to explain nothing to me. You don't owe me anything. But one dude said he retires in January, so he didn't care. And I said, okay. Yeah. I said, so you retire in January. That means you're going back to civilian life, which is going to be a lot harder now that you're retiring under this new system. That made no sense. Yeah. And – you know, some people were like, oh some God. people were, some people were like, it doesn't even matter because where I'm from, there's not enough electoral votes, and I'm like, you no, know, okay, wow. but every vote counts, man. Every yeah, vote counts, and not to mention, not to mention, wow. it doesn't happen often or at all, if I'm not mistaken. But gauging on all these protests. That are happening across the country When those electoral Surrogates place their vote They don't necessarily have to Place the vote That the state picked mm-hmm. Now will there be backlash From that oh yeah Big time Big time But You can as electoral College representative You can vote Whichever way you see fit Mm-hmm. For, for your country. I mean, for your state. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that. Most probably don't. Doesn't happen. In fact, I, I, I can't recall one it's, has it's ever never, happened. It, it's never happened. But there is provision mm-hmm. in the law that states that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. I mean, that'll probably be my last tweet. Uh. Or Facebook post because as and I'm dead serious. After January twentieth, the only Facebook messages I'm gonna post are gonna be coming from Blog Talk Radio. That's it. I will effectively and I'm not trying to block you or, or, or other friends, but I will effectively uh shut down my Facebook account. For personal posting Because at that point There are things I'm going to say 
that I cannot have posted on my social media page. I may say them here, but at least here I'm going to express them. Therefore, you can't take my words and say, well, you posted this. No, I'm going to say I said this, and then I explained what I said. I have the audio files to prove it. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's rough. It's going to be rough, brother. But I'm going to let you go. Um, it's time to get up out of here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to Fantasy Sports and Politics uh, Weekend Edition. There will be more politics coming, a lot more. Believe that. Um, but I want to thank my co-host JT, a.k.a. Pickle Suit. I didn't get a chance to jump on him about it. Uh, he actually looked like he was above five foot four in the picture, but it's a portrait. So, of course, he's going to look taller there anyway. Um, but that's my dude. I appreciate him and I appreciate you guys. You got anything you want to say, JT, before we get out of here? 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Master Plan is going to talk about fantasy football. Week 10, as we uh, get closer and closer to uh, the end of the regular season in fantasy. And uh, try to transition ourselves or position ourselves into the playoffs. Well, I know I'm going. I don't know about JT, but I know I'm going. (laughs) And by the way, by the way, there Mm -hmm. is a chance. There is a chance that we could face each other in uh Wolverines in the house before the uh, before the playoffs. I mean before uh the championship. There's a chance. I gotta do my okay. part, which is move to second and you would have to move to fourth. But I know I can do my part because oh. I got an easier schedule left coming because I've had the hardest schedule all season, but I'm going to get out of here. We're not going to talk about that. Not till next week, but uh, thanks for the trade. Uh, I understood I was getting them on a bye week, but that's okay. As you can tell, I can adapt and overcome with my team. I'm, I'm predicted to win by 40, and uh, but you never know what happens. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, you enjoy Larry Fitz, all right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, he's going to be uh, very effective uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, with with, with, uh, Antonio Brown, I I think so. But both quarterbacks and teams are struggling in that area. So it's going to be tough for you, player, player, player. All right, with that being said, for my man, JTATM Money, and us here at Fantasy Sports Politics, well, I just said it, but you've been listening to Fantasy Sports and Politics. Get ready you want to talk smack, you in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live, you know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We talking fantasy sports.